Lord, how good it is to be in your house with your people before your word in your name. Lord, as we come, as we have prayed together, as we have been singing together, and as we now read together and hear your word taught and proclaimed, Lord, I ask that you would send the Holy Spirit with power. Send your Spirit to convict us and encourage us and challenge us and transform us and conform us into the very image of Jesus. Lord, you have not left us groping in the dark, and we know that. You have given us a a feast in your word. And so we pray most of all that the Holy Spirit would come and shine a light on your word that we might fall in love with it and that we might be changed most of all that we might as a result of having been here this morning we might love Jesus Christ more and a a passion would well up inside of our hearts for him and for his name for we pray all these things in Jesus name amen As Lee mentioned at the beginning of the service, we are working our way this summer through uh, the Ten Commandments, the laws of love, and we come today to the Third Commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, if you'll turn over to the New Testament, I want to look specifically at how Jesus applies this. What does Jesus do uh, with this commandment? Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. And this is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers lawlessness. One of the most uh, frightening applications of a commandment in the entire Bible. Some of the most frightening words. I never knew you. Most of us along the way, particularly as we get older, realize a basic fact about life. And that basic fact about life is certain names open certain doors. 
In fact, powerful names open doors. There are some places that we just can't go unless we know somebody. And that somebody knows us. Our family, let me, let me make this, uh, illustrate this for you. Our family for uh, virtually all of our lives, has, we, we're a baseball family. We love baseball. We have, uh, I grew up in, in Chicago and my, cu- my, my dad took me to see the Cubs uh, all the time. As a little kid, I was at the baseball field all the time. I played baseball. My son uh, played baseball. I coached baseball all the way up through uh, high school. My wife loves baseball. We have taken our kids when we lived in Texas. We used to take them all the time to see baseball games, minor league baseball games. We'd go as a family all the time with friends to see the Texas Rangers. Uh, And they got good after I left. They were terrible, but we still went year after year after year. So you can imagine my thrill several years ago when the chaplain for the Texas Rangers called me and said, look, would you like to help do chapel services for the Rangers? I think I could find time. Where do I sign up? And he told me what to do. So here's how it works. Uh, when you do a chapel service, I got to do several chapel services for the Rangers. You show up early at the stadium, beautiful stadium. You go to a certain gate. And you go to that certain gate. And there's somebody there waiting at the certain gate. And you walk up to the gate and you tell them your name, Brad Mercer. And they look at you like, so? You give you this little suspicious look. People around professional athletes are suspicious. Um, and I'm a suspicious person anyway. So I walk up to that gate and, and I tell him my name. I said, well, I'm Brad Mercer. I'm here to see John Weber. Okay. Well, they call upstairs to John Weber. Hey, John, there's a Brad Mercer here. Do you know him? Yes, I'm expecting him. I'll be right down. John comes down. That's the way it works every time. John comes down, and with John Weber, every gate opens. Every door opens. Every locker room door opens. We went everywhere. And, oh man, one time John Weber had a whole bag full of Nolan Ryan signed baseballs. And he just walking around. The, oh, the, he, he signed these for me this morning. We're going to use them for charity. Well, I would go into the manager's office and I would stand there by the manager's desk and the Texas Rangers would come in and I'd do a chapel service. And then I'd go to the visiting team and I'd speak and do a chapel service for the visiting team. And get this, this is great. They, they, each team, these guys are, you know, they're world famous. After I speak to the Rangers, after I speak to the visiting team, they line up in a line and come through and shake my hand. Now, I'm nobody. I never have been anybody. I never will be anybody. But I know John Weber. And my ministry to the Texas Rangers and the visiting team in the name of John Weber was fruitful because of John. Now, if that's true, this in the 21st century the importance of names it is nothing 
Nothing compared to names in the ancient world. And the meaning of names in the ancient world. I've got an assignment for you this afternoon. I'm going to ask you a question. Don't say it out loud. I know that some of you will. Do you know what your name means? Do you know what your first, middle, and last name means? Now, some of you do. Do you know, for those of you who have children, do you know why you named your children certain names? How much thought did you give to it? Maybe you gave a lot of thought to it. People usually do. Um, You know, some people have names that mean steadfast or a follower of God or son of a noble warrior, something like that. Well, years ago, you can imagine my chagrin when I found out what my name means. Bradford, Broad Ford, Broad Shallow Place. Broad, shallow place in a stream, you know, where you can walk across. And uh, my last name, Mercer, merchant. Broad, shallow place in a stream bed merchant. Um, Old English name. Now, my wife's name is a little bit better, Cynthia. It is a Greek word for moon goddess. She's here some, there she is right there. There's a moon goddess uh, in this room uh, this, this morning. You know, we try to remember people's names. Um, we don't really think about what people's names mean um, when we meet them. But in the ancient world, name is linked to identity. Name is linked to essence. Name is linked to nature who I am, basically and fundamentally in my heart of hearts. Adam means man or mankind. Eve means life giver. Moses means drawn out of the water. David means beloved, friend. We could go on and on. You remember how God sometimes changes people's names? God does not change people's names in the Bible because he likes the sound of a better of a, one name better than the other. God changes people's names because he wants them to take on a new identity. Wouldn't it be great if, if don't do this, I don't want to be blamed for it, but, but if you could look around your family and rename everybody now that you know everybody... According to who they are, according to their nature, according to now that you know them. Um, God changes Abram's name to Abraham. He he goes from exalted father to father of multitude. Uh, Sarai, who is princess, is changed to Sarah, mother of nations. Jacob, who is literally leg puller is changed to Israel, strives or wrestles with God. So name is linked to identity. It's linked to nature. It's linked to essence. God himself has many names. And all of those names say something about him. Elohim, 
particularly in the New Testament, the Old Testament. We see this particularly in the Old Testament. Elohim, strong, mighty. Uh, Adonai, ruler and judge. El Shaddai, powerful to bless. But there's one particular occurrence of God revealing his name that sort of outshines all the rest in the Old Testament. In um, Exodus chapter 3, when God calls Moses and God does something that he'd never done before with any human being, he opens up and reveals his personal name to Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush. He calls Moses. Moses is an old man at the time. He's basically in retirement. And he calls him and says, You're going to lead my people out of bondage, out of slavery. I'm going to redeem my people, free my people through you. You're going to lead them out of slavery. You're going to give them the law. You're going to give them the Ten Commandments. I'm going to redeem them and then I'm going to show them how to live. This is all grace, remember. I'm going to free them. Then I'm going to show them how to live. Through you, Moses. And Moses responds and says this. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this, thus I am to be remembered by this name for all time, generation after generation. And what kind of a name is that? I am We've, maybe you've seen it written, Yahweh, Yahweh, I am. What God is doing with Moses, he's calling him to lead his people out, to give them the law, and he's saying by revealing his personal name, Moses, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to have a relationship with you. And you're going to be my friend. But not only that, Moses, now hear this, Moses, God is saying. Everybody else has his or her name given to them. I name myself. Don't play power games with me. Don't try to manipulate me. Don't try to define me. I will define myself. I am. In John chapter 8, verse 56, Jesus takes on this name for himself. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was... 
I am. Jesus is saying the same thing. I'm going to to reach out and have a relationship with you. But don't try to define me. Don't try to manipulate me. What does this commandment mean in, in its essence? little book called uh, Smoke, Smoke on the Mountain by a Joy, Joy Davidman. Now, Joy Davidman, that may ring a bell with some of you. She, she was actually C.S. Lewis's wife. And she was, she was Jewish. And she was an atheist. And she was later converted to faith in Jesus Christ. And she wrote this little book on the Ten Commandments. And here's, listen to what she says about the Third Commandment. This is what it is, in essence. The Third Commandment is not just a warning against profanity. It is much more like a warning that you would see at a power plant. Danger, high voltage. The implied moral seems to be, be careful how you touch God. He's dangerous. But where there is power, men will try to use it for their own ends, good or bad. Where there's power, men will try to use it for their own ends, good or bad or bad. This commandment asks this question of you. What's your attitude toward God? What is your attitude toward God? Um, Is he someone to be used for your own purposes? Or will he use you for his purposes? Are you seeking to use him for your own goals and ends and purposes? Or is he using you for his purposes? So what does this look like? Let's get practical. Let's look at, first of all, the wrong use. What does it look like in in Mississippi in 2012 to use God's name in the wrong way, to take his name in vain? What does that look like? We're going to answer that question. Secondly, how do we use it rightly? How do we use it rightly? The wrong use of the Lord's name. Let's start with what immediately comes to mind for most of us, right? Cursing. Um, You never hear anybody say, Zeus! Jupiter! Krishna! What do people say? Jesus! And you know the other ones, I'm not going to say them. There's power in the name. And people know it intrinsically. I had several people come up to me after the first service and say, those words come out of my mouth before I even know they're out. We know, it's a mystery, it's profound, really. We sort of know intrinsically that there's power in that name. And we may be just using it to express anger and frustration, disappointment, fear, danger, high voltage. Be careful. Secondly, cursing, casual God talk. Okay, you know, you can't preach a sermon like this and not step on somebody's toes. I'm going to step on your toes and I'm going to step on my toes. 
Um, when we use God talk, what, what do I mean? And I offer these examples as cautions. And I'm not even saying don't say these things, but I'm saying be careful. I'm saying high voltage. When you say to someone, God spoke to me, did he really? He may have. Be careful. Have you, have you, does it contradict what's in his word? Have, have you talked to your, your Christian friends about it? Have you talked to the shepherds in the church, pastors, friends, family? Be careful. Here's another one. I, I remember years ago, I learned this the hard way. Um, I was in a pastoral situation with, a, with an elder, and we were helping someone. And I turned to this elder and I said, you know, I've been taking this person, we're trying to help this person, I've been taking this person to the Lord in prayer every day. And he looked at me and said, yeah, I've been doing it a lot too, but I don't do it every day. And he looked at me and said, do you do that every day? No. You know, how often do we say, I'll pray for you. We have some, look, you should pray for people. You should tell people they're praying for them, but be careful. Don't say that you're going to take something before the Lord and pray for somebody unless you do it. We have the best intentions. We do have the best intentions. But be careful. What you say you're going to do in the name of the Lord. I'm digging deeper as I go. I might as well do one more. It's a God thing. Now, is there anything wrong with saying it's a God thing? No. But I, let me give you an example. I was with a group of people and, and, and somebody was happy and excited and they said, yeah, it's a God thing. And another person said, you know what? When my dad died in a car accident, it was a God thing. God was in charge and it was a God thing when my dad died in a tragic car accident. All I'm saying is, is be careful. When you say you're going to pray in the Lord's name or it's a God thing. or um, The Lord spoke to me. Just be careful. Cursing, casual God talk. Uh, thirdly, using God's name to advance our purposes. We've mentioned this briefly already. To get something done, to manipulate to justify yourself, to enhance your own power. Um, I've had people, I've been in the ministry for a while, I've had people tell me, God told me to leave my husband. God told, these are things I've heard people say, God told me it's okay to have an affair. Often, when we use God's name to justify ourselves, it's amazing how often it has something to do with either relationships or money. 
God told me I don't have to tithe. You know how sometimes we fall into sometimes we fall into sin and sometimes we plan sin in advance. Well, that's okay. God will forgive me. That's his business. Be careful. Be careful. We look at Jesus' application here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Look at these folks. They're saying, Lord, Lord. They're prophesying. They're casting out demons. They're doing many mighty works in his name, and he's calling them lawbreakers. These people are orthodox. They recognize Jesus is divine. They're intellectually engaged. They recognize Jesus for, for who he is. Lord, Lord, God. They seem to be orthodox. They're passionate. They're, they're emotionally engaged. When It's a very Hebrew way of communicating excitement, enthusiasm, passion. When you repeat a name like that. Martha, Martha. Absalom, Absalom. Lord, Lord. They're emotionally, and they're not frozen chosen. They're, they're emotional. They're excited. And they're active. Look, they're prophesying. They're telling people about Jesus. They're preaching. They're doing miracles. All of these things are good. But here's the bottom line. They're using Jesus' name to open doors without having two things. An intimate, personal life-transforming personal relationship with him and submission to his will. A life-transforming personal relationship and submission to his will. Be careful. High voltage. Last week something happened. I followed this stuff a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't watch the whole thing. But I find it interesting. We don't do these kinds of things in America. Queen Elizabeth had her diamond jubilee. 60 years on the throne. Big, big deal in England. Big deal in, in London. Great ceremony. Um, her coronation... In 1953 was the first coronation that was televised, so lots of people saw it. Her father had unexpectedly died at a young age, and she was called upon at 25 years old to assume the throne. And I remember I, I, I lived in Europe for a while, and I'll never forget in doing my, my studies on C.S. Lewis how I came across a little comment that C.S. Lewis made in observing this coronation. He watched it. He didn't like big crowds, but he watched it on TV. And he said this, what impressed most who saw it was the fact that the queen herself seemed to be overwhelmed. The pressing of that huge, heavy crown on that small, young head becomes a sort of symbol for all humanity. What was he saying? He was saying, ultimately, this is a picture of the gospel. 
if we really understand it, we have this marvelous, majestic, glorious blessing placed upon us by someone else. It should humble us. It should overwhelm us. It should cause in us a welling up of, of a desire to serve and, and gratitude, reverence. And it should never be taken for granted. It should never be taken in vain. Be careful. High voltage. All right. What, how, do we, how do we use the, na- the Lord's name rightly? What is the right use uh, of the Lord's name? You remember the old story in, in, uh, in Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's one of the first stories that many of us learn in, in VBS. Um, but do you remember those men were well-respected in their community? They served the king. They were administrators. People look up to them. The king respected them. But Nebuchadnezzar builds a golden image. And he says, at the sound of all of the instruments, everyone in my realm will bow down to this image. Without exception. Here he is, the most powerful king, the most powerful man in their world. Bow down. And of course, you know the story, they, they don't. And his threat is, you don't bow down, you go into the fire. They don't bow down, they go into the fire. They place their trust, they throw themselves on the protection of God and they do the right thing regardless of consequences. And they say to Nebuchadnezzar, look, you can throw us in the fire. We have served you, we've been committed to you, we've been good citizens. You can throw us into the fire and we may die. Or the Lord may rescue us But either way, our loyalty is to the true God. They say, either way, we may die. We may live. Our loyalty is first to God. And of course, we know what happens. He rescues them. They come out of the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar does not say, Blessed be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel to deliver his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. When people look at us, it's not about... Blessed be Devon, or John, or Lori, or Corey, or Sissy, or Lee. It's about blessed be God. When they see it, that's the goal. That's the goal. When they see us, they see Christ. That's why up here all the time we're praying people that people that come to Highlands would see Jesus. Blessed be God. Blessed be Jesus. If you are a... Think of the Christian. Christian. 
you call yourself a Christian, you are wearing Jesus. <laughs> I don't like other people to wear my name tag. I've got a reputation, not a good reputation, but I've got a reputation to keep up. You are wearing Jesus. If you, if you call yourself a Christian, if you are a Christian, you are wearing Jesus' name tag, Christ one. You are his ambassador. You represent him. He, he's your ID. He's your security. He's your identity. He's your power. You know, the Apostle John, you can look at his letters, the short letters, one, two, and three, was just obsessed with the idea, what's a real Christian? He, was, he wrestled with that question. Listen to what he says, 1 John 4.10, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then in 2 John 6, he says something very similar, And this is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Christian. Every name that is attributed to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament and New Testament points to a blessing that is yours in him. What do I mean? He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's personally present in your life. He is Savior. He saves you from sin and death. He is the Son of Man. He understands what it is to be a human being. He is Wonderful Counselor. He's there to comfort you in all of your trials and afflictions. He is Prince of Peace. Your peace is found in Him and Him only. He is Mighty God. And in Him you will find, through the power of love, power to do things that you never thought were possible. And Because of his love for us, because he first loved us, and because he gave his life for us, your understanding, get this, your understanding, the natural understanding that you have had, maybe for much of your life, of power is turned upside down. You now have the power in the name of Jesus to say, I'm sorry. You now have the power in the name of Jesus to say, forgive me, I'm wrong. To him and to others. You now have the power to surrender your selfishness. To stop manipulating or trying to manipulate God and manipulate others. You now have the power to reconcile with someone. Maybe your spouse Maybe your children, maybe co-workers or friends, whomever. 
you now have the power to commit to things with courage and boldness that you never thought you could do before. In the name of Jesus and in his power, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain, but take the name of the Lord your God. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ears. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. We're about to sing this together. Now listen to this. I want to read it before we sing it. I want to emphasize it. Dear name, the rock on which I build my shield and hiding place, my never-failing Treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. There it is. And we're going to sing it together. Let's pray.